Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Nashville, it's time for Nashville Business Radio. Now, here's your host. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Nashville Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, this is going to be a good one. I've been looking forward to welcoming Chandria Harris, and Chandria is with Higher Cultures. Shire, uh, Chandria, welcome. Thank you so much, John. I'm not sure people understand the name of that company with my accent, but we're going to have it in the show notes. Higher, higher cultures, folks. H I R E. But uh, uh, Chandria, let's give everyone an introduction to you and the great work you do. How are you serving folks out there? Yeah, so I am currently the principal consultant at Higher Cultures, and in my role day-to-day, I work with C-suite leaders and HR teams on how to modernize their HR approach to attract and recruit and retain professionals of of color. And in my role supporting C-suite, I offer best practices and advice on how to be and establish a more inclusive workplace. Wow, that's great work. Let's talk about your journey and how you got to this point. I mean, you've, you've got an interesting story. Yeah, I do. That's a, that's a great question. So I'm a first generational graduate, which means I was the first in my family to go and attend a four-year college and graduate. And, and that's important because as a first year, first generational graduate, oftentimes you are embraced with love and you're saying, go out there into this world and make a difference and be impactful and do something amazing. But you never know, like, the steps to do that. And so mm-hmm. as I began my career, I worked full time as I went to school full time. So I worked from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. I'm supporting. Um, I was working at first at a preschool teaching kids. And then I went and start working as a principal secretary from 6 to 4. I was serving as a principal secretary and then from four to nine, I was in class full time. And it was only because I truly had to work full time to help pay with student loans in my apartment. And so I worked full time my whole college career. And it oftentimes it's, it, it really hindered me from doing things that students should be doing to advance their career, like networking or having a bona fide internship. And so I tell people all the time, I learned my business decorum on the spot, on the job. So being a principal secretary and then actually hopping around a little bit. So before I became a principal secretary, I worked as a temporary agent um, supporting companies in Mississippi. So I'm from Columbus, Mississippi, but every the assignments were like three to six weeks, sometimes maybe even four months. And I would be working at the Starkville Chamber of Commerce or I remember sort of working at Cadence Bank. And I was a temporary worker supporting C-suite leaders um, when their very precious assistants were away. And so just hopping around, getting my business decorum while I worked full time was my start. And that's how I began my journey into career development and now an inclusion consultant. My friends will always tell you I always had a job. I always had a job and I always worked. And at first, John, I used to be so sad about it. Like, if you look at my resume, it's like hot, 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 temporary agent, administrative assistant. Like, what is this girl doing? And <laughs> honestly, I just took anything that I had to make my start. And getting an early start allowed me to get in this space where I am now. So 
working in a temporary agency really supported me. I gained the business decorum. I learned how leaders work, how they make decisions. And then after my master's degree, I started working at a university in the career development center, right? I knew how to get a job and keep a job and work with C-suite leaders. And so working at Tennessee State, I began to support students transitioning into the workplace and helping them gain the business decorum that I had to advance their careers. And what's so interesting about that story is as I help students, many of the senior leaders and HR recruiters and managers would come on site and say, we want to recruit students. Help us. And so not only was I helping students, but I was also helping senior leaders and executives and HR teams, which actually catapulted me into this executive coach inclusion consultant. Because I would sit down and have real conversations about systematic barriers to entry. Like you want a 4.0 GPA or you have to have a bona fide internship. And I'm like, do you really? I didn't. Mm. And so I began to talk them through how to be more inclusive, how to retract students. And it really advanced me to be this executive coach and inclusion consultant now. So very interesting journey. And I love everything about it. Wow. I am out of breath listening to that. (laughs) (laughs) What a story. Um, And, and you know, you've, your story is a great, reminder and maybe education let's just be bold and say education right for recruiters mainstream companies that don't really get what it is to come from a first generation uh be a first generation graduate to go through all the things you have to go through and to miss out on some of the things they think are important box checks right absolutely That is so important, John. You know, oftentimes when you're a first-generation graduate, you have so many things to help. Like you have so many things to do at home and then trying to balance work. Most of us have to work. And it's just to help balance loans, um, balance assisting and supporting the house. Like you have to work. And I say if you see on a resume someone worked at Kroger, um, worked in fast food, and they were there for a year, That resiliency is so important. Like I know internships with traditional companies, three to six months have experiential learning behind it in the full curriculum. But I tell you, when a person a person can stick through a role in retail and they have been there for some time, it also shows you their consistency and their persistence. And that's what first gens have. So resumes and how we look at them is just We need to be a little bit more diverse in our thoughts and our perspectives of what it means to see someone who didn't go to work at a, you know, have an internship, but have experience working part-time at a retail place. Wow. We could end the show right here on that wisdom. Uh, (laughs) uh, Shandria Harris is with us folks, and she is the CEO principal of higher cultures now, she's also the author of a new book, and it, the, the book is called The Not-So-Buttoned-Up Approach. Yes. Uh, so, Chandria, talk about your new book and uh, who it's written for. So I wrote The Not-So-Buttoned-Up Approach for recent graduates. It's like my last hurrah to college students. Um, when you think about being buttoned up, we always say, is the deck buttoned up? Is that person buttoned up? Like, everyone wants you to be polished well-groomed, ready to go. And that wasn't my story. 
I wasn't buttoned up. I had to learn. I had to learn on the spot. And so a lot of students who have a very different path to success or do not even know how to start or where to go or know about their career center, they will find this book so important because it's it's for the person who does not know what to do. Like Mm -hmm. if you don't know where to start. And I always embrace my first gen graduates. Like this is a guide based on what you know, where I am now and what it took for me to get here to become buttoned up. So if you don't have it, if you don't have the skills, the knowledge, uh, where to start, if you have no connections, like you think I'm not plugged in, I don't have a network. This book teaches you how to even build. So I'm very, very confident that it's going to help students advance their careers. Wow. What a needed uh, resource for those students. That's, that's terrific. So um, one of the, uh, chapters that I see in your book is, is must have critical skills. <laughs> let, 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 let's talk about what those are for those graduates. So, you know, as a inclusion consultant and executive coach, I sit with HR leaders all the time. Mm-hmm. Now I sit on the opposite side of the table and I'm learning and I'm hearing, you know, how students are showing up for interviews, how young professionals are approaching the interview space and the opportunity. And I find that it is super important for students to really embrace the interview opportunity and to research the companies. So oftentimes it's not just the employer who is not being inclusive. The student has opportunities to build research. You know, that is important to be, to follow through. So in my, in, in that chapter, I talk a lot about how to be savvy and to follow through. Cause even speaking to students who've had internships and to speak with their direct leaders, the follow through, the execution, how to get a project done, some fall short. Mm. So I talk to students in that space about how to follow through, how to research companies to prepare for interviews. I talk about like, how to show up and be a team player. Like answering emails in a timely manner is best practice to be a team player. And you don't know what you don't know until you find out. And when you find out as a first-gen student, it is usually not in a space where it's educational. You you may be, you know, getting let go from opportunity or you may have missed a very good opportunity. So I talk in this book about like what you need to know before you find out and, like I said, sometimes we find out, John, it's, it's, it's too late. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now you, you've got another, uh, section here called succeeding with grace. <sighs> that brings back tears. And I, I, I wrote that chapter because, you know, we oftentimes in this society, cause I am a millennial, let me be honest, I am a millennial. And there is an expect- expectation to just be an outstanding leader, to check all your boxes of making great money, you know, earning the title, having a family. And we sit back and think of all the things that we want to do. And we have this way we want to go about doing it. And we even lay down the plans and say, hey, in five years, I want to be, I want to have this title. And, and like in our mind, with us being so ambitious, sometimes I think we forget to have grace, right? Mm. We forget that life happens. 
in that process. Um, one thing that I talk about in the book is when I was getting my master's degree, I was just so set on graduating a certain year, a certain time, because my wedding was in April and I had to get it done. And I failed my exam. And boy, I was so upset that I failed my exam, John, that when I actually passed, I didn't want to walk. That's succeeding with grace. Like I was so embarrassed that I was a semester behind that I didn't want to walk and show my mom and show my family and my new husband that I did it. Mm. And that is that grace part, right? And that is that sense of I have a timeline that I have to meet and I have to do it right now in this way. In any other way, it's not the right way. So I tell, you know, readers, here's the checklist, here's the tools to get there. But be sure to consider life. It happens. Continue, but give yourself some grace. Yeah, because that's really hard because so many, there's so much pressure, as you say, that's self-imposed, right? I mean, it's not just from society or family or or friends or what have you. Um, Not just outside expectations. It's what what you have inside that sometimes mm-hmm. really trips you up. It does. And you know, that, that inside self-imposed like, expectations are, are, are there because of several reasons, right? Mm-hmm. When I talk to other first-gen graduates like myself, we have to be successful fast. Like oftentimes we are the shoulders for financial support. We are the model for everyone to come. So that self of like, do it right now, do it fast is like, over our heads because someone is depending on us, someone. And um, we want to get it done as fast as possible so that we can help save others. It's a a servant type of thing, although it looks very self-imposed, there is something, an element behind it. Like I remember meeting students who were so ambitious and when something happened, they fell apart because they had to get this internship because that that was their home for six months, for six weeks. They Mm. they were homeless. Mm. So like there are so many things that are pending on, I would say millennials, which is, you know, I know Gen Z is coming behind us, but when you think about that millennial generation, we get a lot of bad rap for being ambitious, being cocky, being arrogant. But I'll tell you from a first gen standpoint, there are so many things weighing heavy on why they need it. And even if it's down to making a huge mistake and letting a student go or letting a young professional go, extend grace. There is something behind why they need that job so bad. And I think it's important to continue to train and develop and give as many chances as possible. Because as you know, life happens and we forget that in HR. We forget that as leaders, that there's a huge, a human standing here that can lose it all just by our next decision when it comes to them. So that's important. Uh, boomers, you heard it. Listen and absorb. <laughs> I didn't say boomers, John. You said that. I, like, I said it because I can. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm carrying a card. So, uh, you know, <laughs> and you and I, I can't, I can't, I gotta be, make sure I'm equal across the board. Right. I'm saying any people leader, whether you're boomer on down to a Z, you just need to be mindful that there are stories behind people. This is a human that we're encountering. And it's anytime we can give them development to grow, do everything you can to retain them. Absolutely anything you can to retain them for all the reasons 
to so, just not just to support them emotionally, but from the continuity of your organization. And there are so many reasons why we should look into retention more so recruiting and another day, another time, but it's important. Yeah. And, and yeah. And thank you for saying that because, um, the real fault here is anyone that forgets to look at the, the that person as a, as a rounded human being and, uh, you know, not just uh, whatever picture that we've drawn up of, you know, that person that understand the whole human, I guess, as it were, right? Yep. Yeah. So let's talk about your company and mm-hmm. how you – uh, you know, what you do at higher cultures and, and, uh, the executive coaching and, and that you do and how you work with companies. Thank you. So yes, one part of my organization, we provide executive coaching to C-suite leaders. And in that space, most C-suite leaders are in their roles and are in charge of ensuring that their company is being profitable and productive And they love to think about the human experience or their employee experience. But just be truthful, they have been out of the work. They have been in the workplace so long. So they're out of touch oftentimes of the actual person or the best practices or new trends. And my inclusion coaching with executive leaders, I oftentimes help them to see the new space, the new employee that they're experiencing in this new gig economy. John, there has been some disruption that has happened and that CCU leaders' heads are spinning. Like, what just happened? A lot has happened. It has happened over the period of time. It didn't just happen, you know? Right. And so I spend some time often um, reflecting with executive leaders on, okay, what happened? How did we get here? And how can we fix it? And then also I help them work through their biases. So how, how can we be more consciously inclusive? And and we sit down and have real conversations about real situations in the workplace. It's not high level theory. This is like real situations, real people, real issues. And how as you as a senior suite leader can ensure that you are doing your best to retain your talent. So that's intimate one-to-one. It could be virtual. It could be on site. Um, we have usually have a scheduled time each month we meet, but sometimes things happen on site. Like, what can I do? And I love to be that person they reach out to about that. And then I also support HR. So HR carries a huge load of being the the department that oversees the employee experience. And their hands are usually filled and they're usually needing extra set of hands. And so in that space, I would show up as a collaborative consultant. So I look at their HR processes for recruiting. Are they modernized? Are they up to date? Are we using the right language when we're writing job descriptions? Are we looking and talking to to new hires about their experience. You know, research shows within 30 days, a new hire has already decided if they're going to stay with your company. Is there a survey for all your new hires who just was hired like like in the last 30 days? So I look at those those processes and help them modernize it a bit to ensure that they're being attractive and competitive with other organizations. And so I work closely with the HR leaders and sometimes even that training and development department whether I'm offering a keynote to the HR leaders or to people leaders, I speak to them about biases and how they can be more inclusive and how they can modernize approaches, how they can truly interact with um, new hires and people they're trying to recruit to their organization. And I have so much fun doing it. I absolutely love it. 
Wow. Uh, let's, let's give some, I guess, advice on that, that little piece you mentioned there about talking, uh, and getting feedback from your new hires. I mean, should those be, uh, surveys that are actually surveys or in person? I mean, should it go one step further? What do you think? So it all depends. So if it's the HR team that is going to be overseeing this new hire's experience, then they should definitely have it in a survey form because it's data that can help with employer relations in the future. If they're a people leader, that means you're directly, this person directly reports to you. I think it's important to sit down and have a 30 minute conversation about how things are going and asking detailed questions. Like one question is you can ask is, have you been provided the resources you need to be successful? Because you may have forgotten to give them access to a system and it's 30 days later and 60% of their job is depending on this one system and they don't have access. So asking them detailed questions, am I giving you the resources? Do you feel connected to your team? Those are questions that you can begin to ask within 30 days to see how, how you are showing up for your new employee. Now, your the name of your company says it all, Hire mm-hmm. Cultures. Yes. And culture being a key word there. Um, right. So I'm an executive leader uh, or leader of a team. How do I create the kind of culture necessary to be inclusive and to bring on talent that otherwise I'm missing out on? So you have to lean into different perspectives and have the courage to collaborate. Lean into different perspectives and have the courage to collaborate because it's going to feel very uncomfortable to hire someone who thinks totally different than you, to interact with someone who has a complex life story and you have no connectivity to. It's going to be uncomfortable, but you have to have the courage to collaborate. You have to have the courage to hear feedback that is not so positive about how you're managing. And that is how you begin to create a culture of inclusion. Perspectives, having the courage, leaning into those hard conversations. And I would say stay away from media and advice that is completely one-sided. Listen to me clearly. Anything that is one-sided is going to be counterproductive to you being a diverse leader. Now, give me an example of what you're talking about there, uh, if you don't mind, about the one-sided perspectives that we need to avoid. So we have to have uh, diverse views on everything. When you think about how you're influenced, you want to get a second opinion. You want to ensure that what you're hearing and the decision that you need to make has had several lens that you've looked through. And when I say something being one-sided, oftentimes we'll hear feedback from one person that's like, man, I need to change that. Or is this person doing a great job? Are they ideal? And you've only talked to one person, right? When you are reading news or you are watching outlets, ensure that you are looking at all views. How can everyone see this? Because you have a diverse you know, population we're going to all watch different news. We're going to all read different books. We're going to all listen to different podcasts. So as a diverse leader, if you are having the courage to be uncomfortable 
and interact and listen to hear all these viewpoints, then you'll be able to see where other people are coming from. That's the biggest way to build trust and rapport and connect with your teams is to see, is to have the empathy and the emotional intelligence to see where everyone is coming from. And I'll tell you right now, if you are only watching, reading, or listening to one news outlet, reading only one source of um, press, then you are um, hindering yourself from having a more diverse perspective of what's happening. Good words from Chandria Harris, folks. Uh, She's the CEO and principal of Higher Cultures. She's also the author of The Not-So-Buttoned-Up Approach, which is uh, being released as we speak uh, here in August of 2021. So, uh, Chandria, I would love it if you could just tell a success story, maybe, uh, someone that you've worked with, and obviously you don't have to mention names, but, um, Mm -hmm. that you've worked with that, that you've created some transformation that you're particularly proud of. Wow. That, Thank you for allowing me to reflect on this, John. Um, as I give my last hurrah to, to college students, I'm very happy that I've helped over 500 college students land internships and I keynote events where I've actually engaged and connected with 15 plus thousand students. So one of my biggest like accomplishments now is that I have impacted how companies see recruit and connect with students. And I've also helped students know how to interact and to go into organizations. And it just makes me so happy of how, you know, I was in ed- higher education for a very short period of time. And my my boss would tell you that I seen over 60% of the students that walked into the door. Mm. And like, that means I missed a lot of meals and that means I had a lot of meetings, but wow, like just to be able to say, here's how you do it. Here's how you find financial freedom, right? Because we think about career development, we think about first-gen students, a lot of it is tied to finances. Like, we need this to live. And, you know, when I think about career development, I think about students finding financial success. And I think about one of my favorite students, and I shouldn't say favorite because I'm going to get a lot of trouble, but I think about one of my students who, um, who was homeless and had never flown in a plane before. And he was going out to this interview in Texas to Lockheed Martin. I'll tell you that because they did hire him. Mm. And he was like, what do I wear? What do I chew? I've never been on a plane. What do I do? And I was just like, let's talk about it. Like, I was just so excited. But John, when he came back from that interview in Texas, that job was his, that internship was his, and he is still on the job now four years later and have advanced at Lockheed. Mm. I love Lockheed. I love that student. And it's just the test of like, man, everything is a first experience. And to be able to help him prepare, like get bubble gum, get, where's your headphones? Like, let's get you an outfit together. And now he's so successful and no longer he or his mom is no longer homeless. It's just, it's life changing. That's why I do this work. Wow. I'm uh, uh, w- wow. I'm speechless. Just what what great work you do, um, uh, Chandria. What that's just a, such an awesome story. And um, and again, it's just a reminder for folks to look beyond 
the resume, right? Look beyond the appearances. Mm -hmm. Um, wow. Great work. And, uh, I can't imagine after listening to this interview that there aren't some folks that want to be in touch. So let's give them their, your coordinates. How can they be in touch with you if they'd like to learn more about you and maybe potentially working with you? Absolutely. So I'm always on LinkedIn. Um, I show up often sharing content and that's just my name, Shandria Harris and C H A N D R I A. Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, that's LinkedIn. Or you can go to my website, it's www.hire, like hire me, cultures, all together.com is hirecultures.com. And so you may find me on Instagram. On Instagram, I'm talking to the student, I'm talking to the young professional, and I call myself, it's Coach Shan. So I'll get on there and I'll say, hey, you got to do this way, do things that way. And so Oftentimes, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm talking to the person that is working for you and helping them be a better employee. So that's it's Coach Shan with Instagram. It's Shandria Harris with LinkedIn and it's higher cultures like hireme.com if you want to visit my website. So thank you so much, John, and thank you all for listening. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, folks, we're going to have a link uh, in the show page on the show page to, uh, Shandria's book. So, uh, the, again, the not so buttoned up approach. So if you're interested in that, uh, uh, just click through and, uh, find out more, uh, Shandria Harris. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Folks, just a quick reminder and a request. You can find the show Nashville business radio on all the major podcasts, platforms, whatever you choose. I mean, we're on all of them, Weezer, Deezer, Cheezer, but <laughs> whatever, uh, Spotify and the big ones, we're on, we're, we're on those obviously, but, uh, whichever one you prefer, uh, we want you to subscribe, but here's my bold request. Give us a five-star review. It's not about me. It's not about business radio X. It's about the fantastic business leaders that we've had on the show. Uh, like Chandria, who do great work and their work deserves to be found, celebrated and uh, employed, used, hired. <laughs> uh, let's get them hired, folks. And one way to help get them hired uh, and help folks find the, the them is to uh, uh, support the show because that uh, uh, helps people potentially find them and if they're looking for their services. So if you could do that for us, we greatly appreciate it. So for my guest, Chandria Harris, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Nashville Business Radio. 